to the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Well, welcome back to another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. Thanks for joining us. I am Ben South. And I am Danny Smith, and it's always great to be a part of your week and hope that everybody is listening as well. And uh, Ben, how are you today? I'm doing good. And Danny, I'm excited about our show today. A good friend of mine joining us. And before we do that, though, I just want to tell us about our sponsor um, we have for this episode. And every episode so far is CBC. And I just want to get right into that so we have as much time today with our guests as we can. Um, But if you need a college degree and don't have the time, the Pace College Degree Program at Central Baptist College in Conway, Arkansas, has a proven in-class online or hybrid course format and multiple degrees to fit your busy schedule. They know that you can't quit your full-time job. That's why they've developed a flexible format that has helped adults for over 20 years earn their degree while working full-time. So to check them out, go to cbc.edu slash online. You can apply for admission there. Someone will contact you. You can have a virtual meeting, and you can go down the road toward finding your next role in ministry if you want to or improving uh, where you are in ministry now. Josh King is with us today. Josh, thanks for joining us. Hey, what's up, guys? Glad to be here and go Mustangs. You're not an alum, but we'll claim you. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Josh, actually, he used to work down the street from me, uh, but he moved across town. He just couldn't hang it out on this side of town, I don't think, something like that. But uh, Josh and I serve in the same town. But Josh, just tell us a little bit about uh, your ministry and what God has you doing. Yeah, I'm the lead pastor at a church called Second Baptist here in Conway, uh, Southern Baptist Church. It's about it's a hundred years old next um, year, and uh, it's it's going very well. We just launched our second campus, which is fun and uh, a lot of excitement. At the same time, we launched the campus. We also moved our offices downtown, which is what Ben was talking about there. So we're about three or four miles from our main, um, what we call the West Conway campus, and uh, and. We are right in the process of hiring what will turn out to be three positions. Uh, so there's a lot of big, heavy things going on right now, uh, but all of it's behind me except for one final full-time hire. So that's that's kind of where we're at right now. That's good. And since you've been there, you've hired several uh, staff positions, chair two roles. I'm sure you've seen yeah. a lot of uh, good, bad, ugly, and there's a lot of challenges to that. So. You know, what yeah. would you say for someone who's in a chair two spot now looking to move somewhere else? What is mm-hmm. like maybe what the top one or two three things that you would say as you try to present yourself to that new ministry are uh, the top two or three things? Make sure you do this or do this well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so, yeah, you're, you're right. So currently, I think we have 27 full time positions. 17 of those have been hired since I've gotten here. And so that's, that's quite a ratio. That's the majority. And um, when you think about any of those positions, you're, you're going to see uh, there were probably on average three or four serious conversations, which went through 12 to 20 non-serious conversations, online interviews, in-person interviews, site visits, those sort of things. So yeah, a lot of experience in this realm. Uh, more than I want, but it is what I have. So what I would say, just a couple of tips here. The very first thing to keep in mind 
And you guys, you know, feel free to respond, I guess, after each of these. But the first one I would say is you need to start looking before you're looking. So you will more than likely not die in your current role. That's something that we need to sort of accept. Uh, If you are a student minister, if you are a college minister, if you are a children's minister um, on many occasions, more than likely you are going to do some sort of transition. And you may at this current moment feel as though you're like, man, I I just feel like God's called me to be a student minister the rest of my life. I'm going to be a 70 year old student minister. And that's, that's great. And maybe God will do that, but more than likely that is not how that's going to go. So I say, start looking before you're looking. What I mean by that is networking with, I guess what you guys are calling uh, first chair or chair one, uh, networking with many pastors, talking to other pastors, learning about just other churches, learning about other, um, uh, you know, with let's just use student ministers, be friends with other student ministers on a professional level, on a real actual level, not just when you're planning the nows together, but actually getting coffee and respecting one another, those sort of things. Because I'm going to tell you, the majority of the great hires, the easiest hires that we've made, and quite honestly, the positions that worked out the best for us were people we already knew that we hired from another church out of state or something like that, or they knew a person that we knew. That's what we're looking for. That's the number one thing. So if that's the case, if we are looking to hire people we know or people that someone we know well knows well, then it would help your odds to know many people. Uh, so get get make relationships, uh, build friendships. That would, that would be my first thing to say. So with those friendships, do you take your resume with you? Is that, Hey, you want to have coffee? Here's my resume. (laughs) Yeah, no, of course not. Uh, you just want to just like, and this is just something I've done naturally, I guess, second nature since I've started ministry is every opportunity I get. So if I'm going to, so I'm a Southern Baptist and if I'm going to the Southern Baptist convention, I I have never gone to the Southern Baptist Convention without scheduling at least one or two coffees and a lunch with somebody that I barely know, somebody that I can connect with on Twitter, somebody I could connect with on Facebook. I've had a couple interactions with them. And so I just say, hey, I'm going to be in town. Can you do this? In fact, here uh, two weeks ago, I actually went down to Dallas, um, which is about a six hour drive just to get coffee with two guys and lunch with one other guy. And then I came back because networking you learn so much and i think that the the bottom line is you just need to learn for your current role so you're learning in order to be the best you can be in your current role but those turn into relationships later that are going to be hiring or recommending you elsewhere so that's that's how i would start that conversation just get with them learn from them share with them continue on those relationships and those are going to help you down the road you know, Josh, and this may be a part of the, some of the tips that you're about to give, um, you know, you, you're constantly running into, you know, when you try to hire somebody, it's always like, A, for, for many chair two leaders, maybe they don't have uh, the staffing, maybe they don't have the networking, and they're thinking, okay, where do I start? So you just gave some great points on that. But, you know, inevitably, there's always the text from a guy like, hey, Danny, I'm hiring a youth minister. Do you know anybody? And so mm-hmm. I think those relationships are key because that is an obstacle I think we've all run in before, probably still do, even if we guard against it. But uh, yeah, talking about those relationships that you build in those communities is so, so helpful. So um, 
you went to Dallas. Uh, what about locally? What do you do locally? I mean, uh, when you when you look at the staff of your church and when you look at the the scope of ministry, and you guys are doing such a great work there, it's been uh, fun just to kind of watch from a distance where I'm at uh, to see. Um, talk about building those relationships, like within your association, um, like what you and Ben have, and uh, how does that look for you, just kind of even a local setting. Yeah, I think you need to be careful on a local level, especially when we're talking about hiring and things. Um, you need to build relationships, of course, but one of the things that we try to avoid is we try to avoid hiring locally. And by that, I mean, we don't, we try not to hire somebody who does not need to move to be a part of our church. And because there's just some, now that can happen. And there's just some situations in which that should happen. But we try to avoid that and be respectful of one another. And so the partnership on a local level, I would say that usually on a local level, I try to avoid any sort of um, conversations about like, you know, hiring locally. But where those do come in handy is you build that relationship through actual uh, friendship. So you're hanging out together. We have pastor's breakfast. We call it a breakfast. I just drink coffee. Most of us just drink coffee. Um, pastor's coffee every Monday morning. And not that I would hire those guys or hire from those guys, but I will ask those guys, um, do you know anybody in this realm? You know? And so I think this networking situation is far better, um, outside of your local area, just for the, the need of respect. Yeah. You've, uh, you've called me for instances like that. I remember one day you said, Hey, we're interviewing. I don't know if it's going to work out. Do you know anybody doing that's doing this or wants to serve in this role? And, right. And when we were hiring a student pastor not too long ago, and it's, that's kind of how we went about it as well. Who do you mm -hmm. know? How? What are your connections? Do, do you know anybody? You know, I know a lot of guys who do not ever do the job boards on seminaries. Like if you're looking to hire somebody, you can call a seminary and get a stack of resumes or the Baptist Association or something like that. And Generally, the people that I talk to avoid those like the plague. One of the things that I have often heard is um, don't hire people that are looking to get hired. Hire people that are doing a good job in their location that haven't thought yet about leaving. Start talking to them and being like, hey, what do you think about maybe coming over and joining my staff or things like that? That's really a better way to go about it. So again, it goes back to that first tip for those of you who are just in a position where, so we're still talking pre-opening, right? So, so there comes a time where you may need to look for it. But right now, if you're happy in your position, you're listening chair to leadership, I think it can only help you to network as much as possible with other people that you respect. So, and if you're not doing that, don't be surprised when jobs open and you're never called for them because nobody knows you. That's literally how that works. So That's a real good point. Uh, there. So the first one is start looking before you're looking. Uh, right. What would you say is the next tip? Yeah, the next one is to understand that you are you are applying for a job. So you're going to be expected to work, and that shouldn't be a surprise to you. Um, we actually joke quite a bit. Two There's days two a pastors week. Here. Two days yeah. a week, correct. <laughs> I'm not kidding that that has been asked. Um, so We've actually had conversations, me and the other pastor who do the pr primary hiring here, is how much people are looking to, to sort of like get these 
unreasonable benefits or they're they're looking to fit their schedules within different things um another thing that really comes up quite regularly when you're applying for a church job is all of this information about your personal family and so um you know i'll, I'll just be silly here but it would be something like you know i noticed y'all's offices are on the second floor well, my three-year-old doesn't like stairs. Is there any way that if I got hired, I could move my office down to the first floor? Um, silly things like that to where it's like, you're, you, you shouldn't be hired or, or churches are not looking to hire somebody to change their whole structure because you have some preference. Now, I understand that you, your, your family may need insurance or you may need this amount of money in order to go somewhere, but you really need to do your, your, your research on those sort of things and realize that if you are living in San Francisco and you are applying for a job in central Arkansas, your cost of living is going to be significantly less. So the pay will be significantly less. So, so my tip here is to say, understand that when you're applying for a job, you're applying for that job. I've actually even been amazed I think the emphasis is on that job. I've been amazed at how many ministers will apply for positions we have. And within the first or second conversation, they're asking about whether or not they will be able to be promoted into other positions. And so it's like, hey, yeah, I'm looking at this college ministry position down the road. Is there any chance I could be the discipleship pastor? And it's like, uh, I don't know. But if that's what you're wanting to do, uh, we have uh, one of those right now. <laughs> yeah, and he's sitting right here. Are you wanting his job or something like that? So I, I, I don't know if this is common when you are interviewing for positions, but don't like apply for that job. Don't apply and then think you're going to manipulate everything into more pay, better benefits, restructure everything, and then even get another another position out of it completely. So I've just been really amazed at that, how people negotiate the job description. And we were hiring for the job description. At our church um, a while back, before I came on staff, actually there was someone who was applying for a different job and said, okay, I'm going to do this. And when you hire me, here are the days I'm going to work and I'm going to do this all from home. And here's how I'm going to do everything else. And this is what you need to do for me. That person didn't get the job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's crazy to me. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, the times that I've hired people where I've thought, hey, I want to hire them initially for this position. And maybe through the interview process, I have found, you know what, there's some other gifts and talents there that maybe I didn't show up on paper. Maybe my friend didn't tell me about where, I mean, this goes back to the very first point where I'm like, hey, you know what, down the road, this could be somebody who could work out in a position like that. So yeah, to ask about it straight up is, that's uh, not the best look uh, in the interview. But I know for me, I have had that thought in the interview process with somebody going, this could be somebody down the road that could help us in other ways. Mm -hmm. But obviously right now, this is what we're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so much that goes into you are look, it, it gets frustrating on our side when we are looking at a resume, then we have an initial phone conversation, then we're doing a zoom interview and then we bring them in and, you find out at that point, they're actually looking to do something completely different, or they have some sort of assumption about the way that you are, and they want to re 
build the church to match them instead of coming to join that church's ministry. And so what I, that's kind of what I'm saying is when you apply to a job, apply to that job. If you want to be a discipleship minister, then go be a discipleship minister, but don't apply to the student ministry and then ask them if that can be, you know, waylaid into the discipleship job. That's extremely frustrating. Um, and there would be a sub point that would go along with that is to build your resume in a way that fits that job. So um, I, I recently spoke to a guy, all of his, he's applied to different positions at our church. All of his resume looked like it was just, he was all about children's ministry. Like that was just his whole passion. But after I finally got a conversation and we, we passed him up for our different positions because we're like, this guy really enjoys children's ministry and that's not what we're looking for. So once I had a conversation with him, I realized that's, that's just where he's been, but that's not what he's passionate about. And it's not what his degrees were in. So I actually helped him rebuild his resume that put children's ministry lower and more about his passions and things up front. Um, even the things like the color of his resume and, and the words choices that he was using I would talk to my current pastor about this, but one of the things I tell my staff is the job title that you have here does not necessarily need to be the job title that you put on your resume. So I've often told our student ministers, that's theologically, we, we call them student ministers here at the church, and that's what they will be called. They're not allowed to call themselves anything differently. However, if they were to go off and look for a position, I would encourage them to put on their job title for our church, associate pastor to students or to student families. That communicates the same thing to most churches. Ours is a theological position, and it's also a flowchart reason. We have theological and flowchart reasons, but I don't want that my student minister to not be considered at another job because they have, quote unquote, no pastoral experience. They have just as much pastoral experience as the next guy. I just want them to be able to communicate accurately to the to the interviewer instead of where they're coming from. So I would talk to your current pastor about that kind of idea. That's a good point there. I think one thing too, when you come into that application process, kind of where we were talking just a minute ago, you need to realize you're applying to that church and you need to look at that church culture and say, and be honest and say, is this a good culture for me? Cause you know, you're mm -hmm. better than the pastor that's interviewing you and make mm -hmm. sure you, Hey, Look around, talk to them, examine their culture, their structure. Is that somewhere you can fit and can you fit into their mold? Because they're hiring mm -hmm. to bring you there unless they're specifically hiring you to bring you in to make the changes. Yeah. So there, there may be some rare things, but honestly, in a chair too, that's not going to often be the case. So you need to make mm -hmm. sure that you can line up with the lead pastor or senior pastor in that church with their vision, their heart, their they're bent in ministry, if you will, and mm -hmm. make sure that you're a good fit with them. So you've, you've seen some of those things, and that's a good tips. What are some of the maybe first top things is like, hey, don't do this. We've talked a little bit about those. Like, have you seen any horror stories? Uh, yeah, we, we've seen some things that just, you know, you, you talk about culture there. You also have to talk about like, whether or not you can actually, like you can feel like you can do this job, but whether or not you're qualified to do the position is another thing. So I would just be honest with what your qualifications are like. 
Now, in our interest form, we always say, if you do not meet the qualifications or the job, let us know why you think you should still be considered. And sometimes you can answer those things. But we've had full-time executive leadership positions in which uh, sophomores in Bible colleges have, um, with no experience, zero years of experience, have applied for. And we just think, why did you even do that? Like, why did you, we, we, there's no on paper reason. Now, of course, God can open doors and I get that. And God can even lead, but he's going to usually do that through relationships. And if you're just cold turkey handing me your resume, I don't have that relationship with you yet. So uh, yeah, that's hiring, sort of one of those horror stories. If, if you're hiring an executive level and you don't know them and they're just a sophomore in college, you're probably not even going to call them for an executive top level I'm not. leadership. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. And I don't feel bad about that either. So, um, yeah, I think that, I think I would do that. You know, the other thing that I would, we we talk about honesty here. This is just going to help you down the road. It's just be honest with things like, how long are you going to stay? Can you actually go? I, I think one of the biggest topics that needs to be addressed in this conversation, whether you're hiring or being hired, is your zip code situation. Um, I know people who will tell me, uh, I will go wherever God calls me, so long as it's within 72034. Uh, that's, I, I, I will follow God anywhere, as long as it's within this zip code. And I remember some silly. stories growing up in the Baptist group I was in that always say to people, I'm willing to serve wherever the Lord leads within driving distance of my house. <laughs> <laughs> so anything you want, Lord, as long as it's right here. Exactly. Exactly. I, and I think you really just need to kind of open that sort of stuff up. It's not a valid reason. Um, so I've had situations where people will ask, they'll say, oh, I see that you got a lot of PTO there. That's great. Personal time off, days off, you know, excused, that sort of stuff. But my mom lives six hours away. Is there any way I could get more of that so I could go visit my mom? And I'm like, well, is it like, is your mom sick or, you know, like, no, I just, I like going home and I'm like, well, you know, that's great. Next candidate. So the, it just, we've gotten, I really do think ministers have gotten super high maintenance and they expect a lot for not that much. I mean, they just expect, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a job. And I think that you need to do your research on how much you're getting paid, where your positions are what the church is like, those sort of things before you walk into the job. And, and again, don't try to change the job to you. Well, and, you know, Josh, I think you hit on something there. It's, it is, it's a job because if you go anywhere else, those kind of expectations um, are going to be placed on them there as well. And so, yes, there are some built-in flexibility things with ministry because it's 24 seven. So, you know, it's not nine to five, but at the same time, I think you're right. I think people need to know when they turn that resume in, that application in, hey, listen, there are expectations here that I have to, uh, that I've got to abide by, and it makes us better, mm-hmm. and it makes us uh, work smarter and, uh, you know, be more effective. So, yeah, I think it's a great point. And, uh, you know, I, it's funny, I turned a resume in one time, totally unprepared for the job, but in my mind, I thought, I could do this job. So, that's uh, I would share more, but that's embarrassing enough to even admit it. But uh, I think I was I think I was like 19 and thought, you know, I know what I'm doing. And so yeah. anyway, needless yeah. to say, it was a disaster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just think um, 
to me, one of the big shockers to me has been how much the family of the candidate becomes the driving force of the whole conversation. And it's their spouse's preferences. And if I was to come here, would my wife be allowed to teach such and such? Or if I was to come here, would my husband be allowed to do this or do that? And I just can't imagine a world in which like in banking or in uh, medical sales that you would be talking about those sort of things with your future employer. And what it does is it bridges this really kind of weird zone where, for instance, you wouldn't want me as your pastor or your boss to start telling you how your wife should behave. Uh, I, I can't go over there and go, hey, listen, uh, you know, your wife needs to dress this way or that way. You know, it's just something that you probably wouldn't feel comfortable with. Well, then stop asking me if your wife wants to do this or that before we interview. Either, either I'm in charge of this conversation or your wife is or your husband or your child or, you know, whoever the other person is. And so it's a very weird balance. Um, you're getting paid a full-time job, full-time pay to do a full-time job, do it. And then y'all figure out your personal schedules once you move and all that kind of stuff. I think in ministry there is, you know, and this may be where the, it's kind of a gray area between ministry and, you know, banking or tech industry mm -hmm. or something, because there is the aspect of for, for ministers, your wife is going to be involved to some level in your ministry. And mm. I think you there's a balance there. I think you're okay if you start asking the questions, what are some places my wife could plug in? Is mm -hmm. there, is there a, is she, are you okay with my wife plugging in? Not, if she wants to do this and this and this, I can't come if she doesn't do this. But yeah. What, yeah. what are the opportunities for my wife to serve and to, right. to fulfill her calling in ministry here as well? But, yeah. But they're not hiring her. So, right. um, unless they require, you know, if they're hiring a pastor, they need the wife to play the piano or something. Um, right. Yeah. Hey, I can testify to that. That's hundred <laughs> percent. I've gotten a lot of jobs because my wife can play piano. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, and, and we're just, a, we're just a different dynamic at second. We don't require, uh, I really honestly would say ministry here is not a 24 hour job. It's, it's a, it's essentially a nine to five. Um, there are times that you're going to go do that, but we've got systems and structures set up that you're not going to, we don't have any expectations on spouses other than they would just be active church members. And so we, we are much more clean on that stuff, but you are right. There are churches that are going to be, you know, looking at the spouse, um, in a way. And I think that one of the other tips that I would say for you guys in chair two positions is you are interviewing the church just as much as the church is interviewing you. Ask real questions. Ask, be clarifying about things. Just go ahead and say it on the front end without trying to manipulate the situation, but just say, so for clarity's sake, what does this mean? What, what do you expect of me? Some questions I really like to ask when I was interviewing for positions was, um, within a first year, what would, what would be success? If, if you hired me in the first year, what would you think is successful? What would I need to uh, obtain and achieve? You mentioned earlier, Ben, about uh, if, they, if they are hiring you to be the change agents. Um, I would get that very clear. Sometimes I've heard more stories about people, the committee or the pastor saying, I want you to come in here and change this ministry when the people of the ministry um, don't actually want to change. And so you're coming in to change the student ministry and all the parents like it just the way it is. And you don't know that. 
you think, oh, they hired me to change this stuff. Well, kind of, you might just be the, the sacrificial lamb. Uh, so don't, don't do that. Don't do that is what I would say. Don't, uh, but don't go put on your, don't go get, get on the altar of their change. <laughs> right. Let them change it. Then you Let can come in change. and yes. lead it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You want to have some clarification, especially if there is that change agent. Don't just have that conversation in the office one-on-one. That needs mm-hmm. to be in the, Hey, if you're meeting with parents, Hey, I understand you want some changes. Tell me about those changes. you'd like Yeah. To see. Yeah. That would be very helpful. I think that'd be good. So, oh, any just horror stories you've seen in your hiring? You don't have to name names. So, or just like, hey, this inner, maybe they might be listening. So, I guess you have to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> but you're just like, hey, don't put this on your resume. No, I think it's more so when you when you get into conversations, and I I'll just go back. No, no specific horror stories, but <laughs> we are listening for things, and if you are constantly referring to your spouse. It does begin to feel like, oh, wait, who are we interviewing here? Um, or am I interviewing you for a job or am I interviewing them for a job? And that's a very big red flag for us. We take off. We, we don't do that. Um, I would also say don't apply for jobs you don't think that you could stay at forever. Now, I said earlier, you're not going to stay at your job forever, but don't ever go to a position thinking I'm going to leave in two years. And if you are feeling that way, you need to tell the person that's doing the hiring because they don't like turning around and hiring every two years. That's going to irritate them. So it's it's rare um, that the church intends to hire your same position in two years. It may happen. They hate it. They don't want to. (laughs) No. So don't do that to them and be very clear with what your expectations are um, going into that situation. Well, Josh, thanks for joining us today. We're about out of time, but we appreciate you talking with us. Now, you can catch up with Josh. He's on another podcast or two. Tell them about that, where they can find you, Josh. Yeah, we uh, a friend of mine named Sam Rayner and I host a podcast every week called EST. You can find it at est.church. Um, that's just that's the URL. It's for established church leaders by established church leaders. Both Sam and I are established church pastors, which is to say we're not church planters. And we deal with this sort of topic from the other side, how to hire. We just are about to post a whole episode on budgeting. So if you're chair two and you handle the budget at your church, we have a lot of tidbits there coming up in a couple of Fridays. Yeah. He's also on uh, Twitter, responsive there at, at Joe Wiki, I think it is. That's it. Is that right? Joe Wiki. So on Twitter, mm-hmm. you can follow him there and he gets in a little trouble, but not too much. <laughs> not too much. Not too much. It's, it's all in trouble. I didn't know Twitter yeah. and trouble went together. I, I thought that was oh, all the time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if you're not in trouble on Twitter, you're really not on Twitter. <laughs> Are you even on Twitter? That's right. Are you even doing it right? <laughs> That's right. 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 That's right. Love well, thanks, it. Thanks for joining us, Josh. And thanks for listening this week. We hope to catch you next time. You've been listening to Chair Two Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.